Okay, welcome to another exciting episode of Under the Dome. Uh, you know it would be a good live broadcast, we can have problems. Uh, we're waiting on our guest, Mr. Mike Petunier, to come in. And uh, he's having some technical problems right now trying to log in, so we're trying to give him some time to, to hop on. Uh, so if you see us checking things and not looking like we're looking at the screen, it's because we're trying to see if we can help him any further. Um, with, I'm sending uh, love letters to my wife, but uh, anyway. Uh, you must have gotten in trouble, Sean. Yeah, you must have gotten in trouble. Uh, uh, I'm your host. I'm your host, Alan Ulrich, and uh, I got my uh, my equally uh, confused and partner Alan. here, Sean Williams. <laughs> Not quite inept. No, we we're on, so we can't be inept. It's uh, it's Mr. Mike Tillier, who um, <laughs> is a little unsure of how he's supposed to join this conversation. I guess he thought we were going to do this by by phone. Um, as always, Sean, we want to thank yes. our sponsors. Uh, first fan, fan first productions. I always want to reverse that. Fan first productions. Um, we also want to remind you guys, y'all can see us on, um, on YouTube and you can check us out on iTunes. You can follow us on Facebook under the dome. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, uh, under the dome. Um, is that PO one under the, shows you how much I look at it at under the dome PO one PO one. Okay. And of course I'm 79 saints and, uh, Mr. Sean is Drew's dad, 3721. Um, and while we're waiting for our, our guest, Mike Dettelier, to find out if he can join us or not, um, let's kind of look back. It's been five days. Uh, let's look back at that, that Carolina game, because there's a couple of things I want to talk about in that game that people kind of, um, they really, they're really, <clears throat> I guess, angry, upset, disappointed about aside from the fact that we lost um, that it took us almost three quarters before we finally got on track and actually started moving the ball. And then once we started moving the ball in the fourth quarter, it it's like people would just scream at the TV, hurry up, hurry up. We don't have this much time to kill. Absolutely. And, no sense of urgency whatsoever. And, and I don't mean at the on the last drive when we actually when the clock ran out with us with the ball I, the the drive before when we were we were still uh we were eking our way down the field with uh four and five minutes on the clock steadily uh going into the huddle breaking huddle walking to the line of screen absolutely no sense of urgency whatsoever and I didn't understand that and to this to this moment, I still don't understand why that was. Well, it's just anything I agree with, but it's a theory I'm throwing out nonetheless. Two weeks ago, Denver game, uh, before the uh, blocked extra point, um, we had scored that touchdown, that bomb, that amazing throw to Brandon Cooks, but we had a minute 22 left in the game. And the, uh, and the Broncos had one timeout left. With the Broncos needing a field goal to win, how confident were you that the Saints were going to be able to stop them 
with a minute 22 and a timeout left. As much time as the defense had spent on the field, uh, I will admit to you that my confidence was waning as the mm-hmm. game went on. Um, and and, mm-hmm. and I've, I heard quite a few of the analysts say uh, that even had we not had the field goal blocked and returned, or mm-hmm. excuse, excuse me, the extra point, had it not been blocked and returned for the, the two-point conversion, that there was still a minute 22 left on the clock and the chances that um, uh, I'm drawing blank, the quarterback. Oh, uh, Denver. the Denver quarterback, yeah. Uh, that he would have driven the team down within range for a field goal. And I, right. I can tell you that uh, McManus's range is – uh, anything beyond the midfield stripe. Uh, well, uh, here, here's the reason why I'm bringing this up. Um, because you're kind of caught in no man's land here. You want to, number one, take what the defense has given you. Uh, Carolina was conceding these underneath throws. They were conceding the running plays. Um, at the same time, we don't want to leave Carolina with any time left and possibly having it be a tie ball game or whatever. Now, granted, we had no idea we were going to be able to score 17 points in 11 minutes or whatever, or 14 points in 11 minutes, actually, because it was uh, – it it would have been, what? No, 17, because we had three. We had three. Um, what Sean was doing was trying to manage the game, burn off the time, because we had stopped the uh the Panthers three consecutive times um, sure with let and they burned off only maybe 20 seconds in each possession and yeah. this is the this, and this is the key point of the game with with two minutes and 30 odd cents left you know you've got two timeouts it's third and ten. Again, they hadn't burned much time off at the clock uh, on the clock. You'd probably burn. They would have ran one more running play on third and ten. You call a timeout before the two minute warning, so you get the two minute warning after the punt. You still have enough time with Drew Brees and his offense, the way they were going, to get that getting fifty, if not score a touchdown. Now, of course, field goals right now. That's that's you know that's like playing Russian roulette right now with. Uh, five live bullets and one empty chamber. Um, so, you know, it, 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 I wanted to score a touchdown and not even to worry about a field goal. But I, I understand the thinking that Sean Payton was thinking about that. You were going to have enough time if we get that one more stop, three and out, we'll have enough time and save our timeouts that we can drive and win this game and leave Carolina with no time left. I, They're the ones that are going to have to play from behind. I, I can understand exactly what you're saying. Um, and I think that there's there's a lot of validity to it, actually. Uh, and, and while I, I'm making this point, Alan, can we try to uh, email that link to uh, Mr. Detelier sure once can. more? Yeah, I sure can. Somebody gets to watch me type uh, and how bad I am. Uh just want to make sure I get the right address here. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, 
for us to um, I, I can see what I, I can only assume was Peyton's effort to uh, to it completely drain the clock and leave them with nothing. But at the same time, I, I, I have a problem with that because you're still two scores down. And, well, and, yeah, yeah. You're playing not to lose. You're not playing to win. He's not yeah. being aggressive. And, and I think that that's – I mean, you said a mouthful there. If you're not playing to win, then you're playing not to lose. And th- most people don't realize and fully comprehend that that's a huge chasm of difference there. Uh, no, Jim Moore made a living off of that. Yeah. That's the Jim uh, Moore offense. Playing careful, and I don't think it's too far out of the realm of uh, of being fair. I, I don't think it's too unfair to say that that type of decision-making, coaching style, whatever you want to call it, that's not Sean Payton. Sean Payton got yeah. to where he is by taking chances. Uh, uh, the, the, the most obvious uh, thing that I could uh, – I could offer up as proof of that is the ambush play from the Super Bowl, uh, and and that's just one example. Going forward on fourth downs, that I mean, Sean Payton got Time. this this team. Yeah, to where it reverses. Is. Yeah. yeah, he got this team to where it is by taking chances, and from the time that he returned from that year long suspension from the Bounty Gate uh, debacle, uh. I don't think that I'm out of line by saying that his coaching style has changed. It's, it's different now. He doesn't take nearly the chances that he once did. Well, you know, I still see some of it. Um, It happens occasionally. It's just, it blows up in our faces a lot more than ever used to. Um, You know, we remember, we remember those games like ambush and we remember those games where he goes for them fourth down and tries to get it and stuff like that. Uh, we forget the, uh, the tight end reverses that end up losing yardage. That's a difference in a ball game that happened in 2008 uh, against the Buccaneers. Um, and the only reason why that game sticks out in my mind is because I, that's the one game I brought my dad to one of these guys that, ah, same old saints. Ah, here we go again. You know, and, and, and I'm like, no, dad, this is, this is a good team. This is going to be a fun team to watch. You know, he's aggressive. He does these things. You see what your stupid coach did? Reverse, you know, and <coughs> sorry, talk like my dad and I start coughing. <laughs> um, but yeah. Hang in there. It, 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 yeah. But, you know, I, I think what's happened now is we'll play the odds and for every ambush play that works for every, you know, double reverse, uh, pitch play, you know, uh, a shot down the field kind of play. We're starting to see the negative side of some of those plays when he does do that. So he kind of dials it back and, you know, at least in 2014 and 2015, we kind of lack the personnel really to, to be as aggressive as Sean likes to be. I think we're starting to get that pe- those people back. But once you lost the Sproles, once you uh, lost 
a Marcus Colston. Well, we're kind of making up more, making up for it, Michael Thomas. But once you start losing those kind of pieces, the Pierre Thomases, the uh, the Jeffrey Hendersons, you know, it, it's now you now have to say, well, I have to dial it back and run the kind of plays with the personnel that I've got now. I can't run the plays that I ran when I had these other people in there. I think that's what you're seeing showing up right now. And as he gets more comfortable, as these guys get better at executing the kind of things he wants to do, I think he'll loosen up the playbook more. But, you know, uh, well, one thing 20, 2012 Humbleton, 2012 Humbleton, that, that, that bounty gate really. Thing. Yeah. Not necessarily for the better. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I went went low bridge for that. Um, That's all right. Uh, I, I I need to say this. Um, due to circumstances beyond our control, our guest tonight will not be able to join us, Mister Detelier, and we have had some uh, some technical issues that we're going to have to work out. We're going to get him back on with us just as soon as we possibly can. Uh, we apologize for uh, for the this turning out the way that it did but we're going to get him on just with us uh as soon as we possibly can um, and I'm, I'm gonna coax some but, buddy new stories out of him oh cool um see you, you one real, yeah let me, t- let me tell you one real quick and this is one of my favorites um Buddy Delberto used to, uh, for those of you who are not from the New Orleans area Buddy Delberto was a local icon as a sports commentator and he finished his career on radio which is kind of ironically where he started and only in new orleans uh, on radio was a speech impediment because the man could not say certain words he had trouble with certain words it was like his tongue was too big for his mouth and you know i've never heard it before but you know he's the only person we never talk about people tearing Lee Nigamets, and <laughs> man, we had a we had a wide receiver apparently named Dante uh, Stallpepper. Uh, we had um, uh, it was Carlton Heston who starred in Number One, the movie about. Um, uh, uh, an aging Saints quarterback trying to make a comeback with an expansion team uh, like the New Orleans Saints back in 1969, which I actually have seen this movie. It is a terrible movie. Trust me on this. It is a <laughs> bad movie. But it's kind of cool. If you... Well, how could it not be with Carlton Heston in the lead yeah. role, man? Right. It's, it's cool because you see a lot of old New Orleans. You see a lot of old New Orleans. And if you know your old Saints players, they, they're all over the place in the film. Uh, you know, original Saints players just make appearances different places. And they use game footage as well as, like, preseason footage from the 68 season, I think it was. But Billy Kilmer dropping back the pass. You know what Billy Kilmer looked like. He he did not like an athlete. He had the sloppy belly, you know, the baggy shirt, the socks all messed up and stuff. You know, he would drop back to pass this long shot of Kilmer, and then it would zoom in on Charlton, he- uh, Charlton Heston. I almost said Carlton Heston. <laughs> Charlton Heston. 
And, you know, Charlton Heston's about a foot taller and thin and, all, you know, it's, it's, it's funny to watch. But it's a, it's a, it's a fun movie to look at if you're, if you're a diehard Saints fan. So it's called Number One. Um, it used to be, it pops up every so often in Turner Classic. Uh, if you have Turner Classic movies, <laughs> you know, watch it once, suffer through it, and then delete it off your DVR. Uh, it's not that much of a collector's item. But anyway. Uh, just for the record, back, I, just back crossed, I just crossed Billy Kilmer off our potential guest <laughs> list. Oh no, Billy Kimmel! Billy Kimmel would laugh about that. He would, he would totally laugh about this. You know, Buddy D told a story. The best thing about Billy Kilmer that I ever heard was uh, they uh, they allowed some defensive player did something on the field and he got booed and he came to the sidelines and he was all dejected. And uh, when he came off the field, Billy Kilmer walked over to him and he said. What's wrong, man? What's why you got your head down? He said, "Listen to him, man. They're booing me." He said, "You think that's bad? Watch this." Snapped <laughs> his chin strap, then he walked out on the field. Uh, Billy Kilmer. <laughs> Billy Kilmer was known to throw in the option pass, and they called the option pass. You could choose which way you wanted to catch, which end of the ball you wanted to catch first, as it was coming <laughs> towards you. Um, no, but here's the story. Uh, this was, I think, in 1969. Um, Tom Fears, kind of the original Saints coach, had finally won like a, a power struggle with uh, Vic Schwenk, the uh, original Saints GM. Um, well, uh, Bob Rose was there for a little while, but he, you know, Meekum didn't like him. But anyway, Vic Schwenk was really the first GM the Saints ever had. And they allow the media into the quote-unquote war room when they're making the draft selections. This was, uh, it's either the 69 or 70. It was the first common draft between the AFL and the NFL. 1970. And, <clears throat> 1970? Okay, yeah. so it has to be 70 then. Anyway, Saints had their board up. It's a chalkboard with, you know, spots, and they got names with stickers on them, you know, on the board, whatever. And pick them the Raiders picking. And the Raiders, in the first round, they pick a player. That's not even on the Saints board. It's nowhere. That name is nowhere. And this is the first round. And Fear says, where the hell is this guy? And he says, and Vic Schwink says, well, if he's not on us, not on our board, he can't be any good. Now, the Oakland Raiders just got finished playing in a Super Bowl, Super Bowl II against the, uh, the Packers. This is the Raiders and the Chiefs were the two best teams in the AFL. Okay, their games, if the Raiders weren't either in the AFL championship game, which I think they were in 67, 68, 69, and 70, they were right there, you know. So this is obviously a team that knows talent. Okay, and for that not to for them not to have that name on the board just spoke volumes about the kind of scouting and the kind of general manager they had. Billy uh, Buddy used to refer to Vic Schwenk as a shoe salesman. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, when Fears heard Schwink say that, you know, if he's not on board, he's not even worth drafting. Up out of the table and went after him. They had to separate the two. Now they got the media all in this war room, war room, and this is what they're seeing. So that tells you what kind of organization the Saints had. 
Well, yeah. of course, Fears gets fired in the 70s. Uh, Vic Twink gets fired not long after that. Then they hire an astronaut to run the organization. So, you know, that's the uh, that's the wonderful John Meekham years, what it was like on that team. Um, one of the things you have, I'm going back now. <laughs> one of the things that you have on the thing about the curse of Thursday night, you know. Um, well, I, to be honest with you, uh, Alan, I think that that's uh, – I never put much stock in it, but, but of course, at the same time, um, for lack of a better way of putting it, I guess, uh, it never really, I never really paid that much attention to it until it was my team involved. And, um, I, I saw Drew Brees come out there and, you know, Drew never has a problem getting up for a game, being prepared for a game. But mm-hmm. and, and if you'll remember, I remember I uh, I messaged you during that game. I said, "Is it just me, or does he not look crisp? Does he not look uh, fresh?" Uh, and your your response to me was, "Of course, he's not. It's on a Thursday night. They played four days ago." Yeah. Uh, and when it's your team, I, I guess the moral of that story: when it's your team, it makes a difference. Um. Yeah. I think it absolutely did, but you you have to go back and and think about something now. Um, I, I have the figures here. Let me see if I got them close. Uh, well, you know, while you're looking that up, remember on Thursday night football, uh, that is the game against the Falcons where the Saints, uh, where Drew Brees' consecutive games with touchdown pass was snapped. It was yeah. against the Falcons in game. And uh, yeah. they didn't look sharp in that game either. They looked very yeah. – uh, not lethargic. It's just they were off by a half a second. You could see yeah. – like that pass he threw to Lance Moore, that Lance Moore just wasn't quite ready for it and dropped it. You know, Lance yeah. Moore didn't drop passes like that, you know, on a Sunday or a Monday. No. And, yeah, no. that, I, 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 I see that every week on Thursday Night Football. Uh, you um, see very, very sloppy play. And I do think it's because these teams have just played a game four days ago. And, yes, I know Thanksgiving, the tradition of Thanksgiving, but the Lions yeah. have stunk forever. You know, this yeah. actually is going to be a good game this weekend, uh, yeah. two days from now. Um, and same with the Cowboys and the Redskins game. But for the most part, you know, to you need these guys need these days off to recover. You know, well, you these, now start doing- these are prof- these are professional athletes. They uh, they make their living by following a routine. And when you alter mm-hmm. that routine, you're going to uh, absolutely alter the outcome as well. Drew Brees threw yeah, 40. It- he threw 44 passes against Carolina. That's the most passes that he's thrown in a single game in a month. Uh, yeah. Going back over the last ran- month. Going back they ran the ball a good bit too. They ran seventy-one plays. I mean, we forget yeah. about that in that Carolina game. They ran seventy-one plays. Um, that's... Going back over the, the last month, Drew has attempted 44, 29, 39, and thirty-five. You know, for a thirty-seven-year-old man, a hundred and forty-seven passes is—it's a lot. And, and yes, I, I it is. To jump but... on that that bandwagon of what everybody else is saying, but you know, I'm 
I'm slightly older than Drew. Uh, I'm not going to divulge exactly how much <laughs> older than, but um, when when you cross a certain threshold, those extra years do mean something. And when you have a 37 year old quarterback, that is part of the narrative, and that's part of something that you have to think about and consider. Here's the thing that happens on a Thursday night game, typically. The teams, instead of taking two physical practices, they do more of a walkthrough, okay? They do more mental reps. So as a result, the execution isn't there because you haven't been rehearsing these plays as much. Now, that's one of the reasons why they do divisional games is because they think, okay, we'll we'll make this up because then you don't have to do as much game planning because you know the team you're playing. You don't have to look at the film and things like that. You know what their strengths and weaknesses are. I got that. But what you saw in that first half was the Saints not being very sharp. And the Panthers are the Panthers. Their offense is not very good right now. And honestly, I thought the Panthers were pretty much dead, except for uh, you know a couple of, a couple of lucky plays until after we missed no after the um, after the mishandled um, kickoff where instead yeah. of letting the ball go out of bounds, Murphy recovered to one. You know, Cam gets the ball back with. I don't know how much time left, maybe a minute left, less than a minute. And he throws that perfect bomb, you know, and Robinson was in good coverage when he throws that perfect yeah. bomb to Ted Ginn, you know, and think about that a linebacker. That was classic cover too, a linebacker covering the fastest receiver for the Panthers. And he's technically 50, step for step with that guy, 50 yards, 50 yards down the field. And but when they completed that pass, it seemed like that kind of woke up the Panthers. Like, okay, we have a yeah. shot now. We have a chance to win this game. And well, I, um, I think that people don't understand, uh, or at least judging from some of the comments that I saw <clears throat> during the game, they don't understand that the team, the Carolina team that we played on Thursday night is not the same team that we played a few weeks ago in the Superdome. You had a different secondary that absolutely 100% took the long ball away from Drew Brees early in that game. And also, you had different offensive line because you had Ryan Khalil, an all-pro center, that calls all well, – he, he did get knocked out. He did get knocked out in the game. Yeah. That, that was the point I was getting – I was leading up to. You had a, a point in time in that game where it could have turned for the, for the Saints because you had Khalil knocked out shortly after halftime. Which basically, if you if you go back and you analyze it, when Khalil came out, there, except for maybe a random long pass here and there from Newton, uh, their offense ceased to exist when Khalil went out. And at the well, same it, time, it, yeah. when it got down to crunch time at the end of the game, of course, Keekley goes out with a concussion, mm-hmm. which at the time, looked to be far worse than just a concussion. It, it, no, I thought it was I, a knee I just, injury. I thought it was a knee I did, too. I, I thought he had completely blown out his knee, just judging from his reaction. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, there were there were plays to be had in the second half once people started going out. And, of course, don't forget, our offensive, our offensive line was different than it was in the Dome. 
you didn't have Teron Armstead. You had uh, Pete playing left tackle, and you had Kelamente at guard, whereas last time we had Armstead at tackle and Pete at guard. And you saw the difference with uh, Short and Stahl Latoure getting penetration um, with Pete on, at left tackle. And I forgot the pass rushing defensive end. Um, I forgot his name right now, but he got hurt in the game too. But uh, he was making some plays against Pete when Pete was at left tackle. So, yeah, that yeah. was having an impact on that as well. Um, you know, so it, it, it just it – was it was two different things going on. But at the same time, had that game played be played on a Sunday instead of a Thursday, I think we would have seen a better performance out of the Saints team I agree. But at the same time, this whole – it's taken us a quarter, a half to get going, whereas well, during the winning streak, we got going right away. We were scoring our first possession and getting the other team on, on its heels. That is – that's a problem right now too. All this week I, I've explained to people that the Saints over the past, I want to say maybe three, three, month, three weeks to a month, they spend three quarters covering up the mistakes that they make in the first quarter. And some, yeah. sometimes yeah. they do it well enough to get the W, but most of the time not. Well, we have yet to play a game, uh, consistent, a consistent four-quarter game. You know, we either offensive or defensively, or even special teams, we have yet to play a consistent game for four quarters. We don't have a return guy who can make a, a competent decision. Uh, unless you put Jerry's sure. bird back there to just fair catch every punt uh, and you put, you know, cadet back there to take a knee or, or Hightower back there to take a knee on every kickoff. You don't have a guy who can make a good decision when to take it out and when, when not to. Um, you, you know, you've got problems on the blocking side. Uh, I, I know Lutz is kicking low and I know part of it is because he wants to make sure he gets the distance uh, and it's just like I explained this I think, to somebody else a while back. It's like a cue ball. You know, when you want to hit for power, you're going at a certain spot. If you're trying to get it to stop, you know, and just gen- knock a ball in or to move somewhere else, you hit it a different spot. It's the same way with a football. And you've got that issue going on. Plus, there's something going on on the right side of the offensive line Either it's the tight end or whoever's blocking the edge or something going on in the B gap. They're attacking the B gap. Um, but... <laughs> I've got visitors. I hear that. Hey, yeah, that's hey my little, enjoy it. That's, that's my little Drew. Hey, um, that's all right. Hey, enjoy not, it. Not Mine just turned, my, my little Drew just turned 21 today. Wow. So. Enjoy it while it lasts because I don't know how the hell he's 21. I'm only 30, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's not raining there, is it? Because, you know, lightning does strike. Hey, if lightning strikes me, I better turn to Captain Marvel. So okay, anyway. there, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, but yeah. Happy birthday. Oh, look, he disappeared. He hit, he disappeared. He hit the. Mike and everything. Oh my God! Okay, he's coming back. Yeah, I think he's coming yeah. back. Yeah, the sound. Whoo! Scared me. 
Oh, that's okay. Uh, um, but anyway, um, yeah, like I said, enjoy them while they're young because uh, they grow up too fast. Um, you yeah. know, I posted, I posted some pictures of him and I got a bunch of stuff. We found in old pictures because my kids are rearranging their rooms right now. And uh, my two girls swap rooms because Allison's not here anymore. She's in college. So her younger sister, Reagan, took the big room. And, um, yeah, now I'm finding these pictures of the kids, you know, when they were five, seven. And I'm like, oh, my God, how could that be that long ago? It doesn't yeah. feel like it was that long ago. Well, I have one, one four, so, one seven, one nineteen, and one twenty-six. Okay, you got me beat. I got <laughs> 20, 21, 18, and sixteen, and I'm, you know, that's 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 all I need. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it it, uh, <coughs> it has its uh, its benefits. I also there you go. I also have four grandkids. They call me Poppy. Well, I don't want any grandkids right now. You hear that, my kid? And I got. I know one girl's <laughs> watching this right now. I do not want any grandkids. Uh, not for a long time. Um, yeah, anyway. well, love has a way of changing those things. But moving right along. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, the, one oh, thing that I I, I can say mm-hmm. that has happened kind of before our eyes and not a lot of people have uh, have bothered to notice our defense suddenly has become dependable who would have thought it well you know you're Uh, seeing guys come back and that was the thing you 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 were always talking about how good would this defense be when this person comes back how good would this defense be when this person comes back i I'm I'm looking uh, for that. My son just texted me. I'll give you four years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Not from you. Hi. <laughs> right. I'm looking for that uh, that thing that I I found to I I passed. Oh on, yeah. On yeah. To you oh, I saw it. I saw it. it. Hang on here. It was uh from Mike Triplett from ESPN. Surprising stats. Saints defense, number one in the NFL in the red zone efficiency since week seven, tied fifth in run defense since week four. And if you start looking at the players that came back, you know, Sheldon Rankins is back. You're seeing yeah. a lot of pass rush ability out of um, out of Nick Fairley. I mean, Nick Fairley killed some guy uh, in the Carolina game. I forgot which I back saw, it was he tackled. I saw killed him. Uh, you saw Cam Jordan is playing at, pro, at a Pro Bowl level right now. Um, Absolutely. You know, is it is it consistent? Uh, it's getting there. It's not totally there, but it's getting there. Uh, I, I mean, they had it on. I, I follow the Saints on uh, Instagram. They had a, one on loop uh, where Cam Jordan read the play, shoots right in there and tackles uh, J, uh, Jonathan Stewart for a loss. And I mean, it was a huge play. Jonathan Stewart slams the ball on the ground because no one even touched him. And, I mean, you're seeing more of those kind of plays. And Sheldon Rankins is having an impact. Yeah. Um, for a guy coming off a broken leg, a rookie, you know, he's having an impact. Now, we didn't have Devin Bro. I think they deliberately sat him down because of a four-day rest 
him playing the bulk of the game against the Broncos, I think he's going to play now for the rest of the season. Well, uh, without any kind of rest. I'll go a step further. I, I don't think that Bro was prepared to uh, was. I'm not going to say prepared. I, I don't think that he was in shape to come back as quickly as he did. I mean, I, well, I watched several of his kind snaps of. against. I watched several of his snaps against Denver, and uh, the 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 reaction and the uh, the instincts were there. Uh, yeah, the mobility was not. So, it's a different uh, kind. Of, it's a different kind of, of position. You know, it's so much of it yeah, is it, it about really is. speed and about uh, opening your hips, making quick stops, uh, starts, turns, that whole bit. Whereas, you know, for Rankins, I hate to make it sound like a defensive lineman doesn't have to have as much athleticism, but, you know, basically he's going forward all the time. He's not yeah. running backwards and cutting and things like that. He is constantly going upfield. To make a play. Well, you're talking so about um, doing your job in a phone booth as opposed to doing your job in a swimming pool. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and and I, I don't mean to minimize anything, but at the same time, it is what it is. I think that uh, that that Rankins right. gets back to a uh, to his former level, and in all honesty, that may or may not happen this year. But I think something that's that's happened at the same time, something that's happened for the betterment of this defense is guys like uh, Crawley. Um, and, mm-hmm. and your, he made a, he made a great one, play in the game. The guys that you brought in, in relief of your injured guys, guys like Sterling Moore, uh, B.W. Webb, they have filled their roles very nicely uh, and very effectively at that. Now, are are they going to be accused of being Darrell Revis? No, but they—that's not what they were brought in to do. They're playing within the context of the defense, and I think that that looks that they yeah. are doing their jobs, and that's that's a positive. Well, if if you look at it for what it is, you bring guy at, at this point in this or at that point in the season, you bring those guys in, all all your expect your realistic expectations. For our for in that situation is to just keep your defense's head above the water where you don't drown, just long enough for your 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 main guys to come back, and and I mean they've done that, and, and I I don't know of any way that they could have done any better than they have, and, and well, like the like the like the stat you read, I mean the proof is in the pudding, uh, well, Rankins and Fairley coming along. Mm-hmm. Or improving the way that they have has has had sort of a ripple effect in in the results that Cam Jordan is enjoying now. Um, I I can't bring to mind immediately the figure, but uh, Cam Jordan over the past well, I want to say that the Saints had uh, whatever the figure was, they've had more sacks in the past two games than they had mm-hmm. the entire previous balance of the schedule. You know, a lot of people were frustrated with Janelle Ellaby and wondering why are we keeping this guy around? He's never, he's never available and things like that. But you see what he brings to the table when he does play. I mean, sure. he is a difference maker at linebacker. He's just, he's the he's best the fastest linebacker guy at linebacker. 
he's the best linebacker that we have on the the roster, bar none, when he's healthy. Now the, yeah. diff- and the it, difference it, maker is going to be how long are you going to be able to maintain that health? Uh, in the right. grand, exactly. The, you know. In the big picture of things, uh, if you're able to play three games out of sixteen, that's not much of a contribution. No. No. And, and, and at the same time, I, I want to applaud uh, Robertson. Mm-hmm. There is no way that he could have he could have played his role any better than what he has. Uh, right, right. You know, he is a he is a comp, not a competent, but he's a good linebacker who understands sure. the game, and that's what Ellerby brings you. Except Ellerby brings you speed and athleticism. But he's never healthy, you know, and that's why I think you still need to draft a guy who can do what Ellaby can do, but give it to you for 16 games. Sure. Uh, you don't have that on the roster. Uh, I know about Stefan Anthony and so forth, but Stefan Anthony mentally is not there. Uh, and that is a problem until he gets there mentally. He's more of a hindrance than he is an asset on your team, you know, um, I, I, like I say, he's in the Mark Fields learning curve. Mark Fields had his tremendous athletic ability. He was the fastest linebacker. He could make impact plays if he knew where the hell the play was going. And in those early those first couple of years with the Saints, he did not understand the defense. He did not know how to read an offense. He did not understand misdirections. He would get fooled all the time. And that's where Anthony is right now. When Anthony gets it all together, he should be as good as Ellaby is right now, but he's not there yet. Um, so, you know, that's kind of where we are with this defense. And, you know, we were talking about injuries earlier. That also spills over to the special teams because don't underestimate the missing who, who man at tight end as affecting that special teams because I think him not being there as the blocking tight end on the edge problem and i also think you know mcmahon is constantly you see these moves all season long where you see guys getting cut and brought back and cut again you know the, the brian dixon's the uh, you know uh the three guys who just picked up from denver uh two weeks ago you know you the see linemen. These- so the the lineman from the raiders right khalil barnes you know going on and yeah, off the roster yeah, yeah. You know, these are decisions that have to be made because of injuries. You don't have enough bodies out there to run practice. But at the same time, if these guys, you know, you've got five starters, uh, five uh, cornerbacks that are gone from the team right now. You've got, and so you have to bring these other guys in. Yeah. You're losing players that would play special teams for you. You're losing guys who could possibly be a returner for you or guys that will block for returns uh, or your gunners who are going to go down, run down, and make the big play. You saw what happened when he activated Lampman. Lampman goes in there, makes a play in his first, I think, the first game, and then he hurts his knee, and then he comes back later. You know, it's just – that all impacts your special teams too. And if you've been drafting poorly for the past four or five years, um, all your depth, the bottom half of your roster that makes up your special teams, that suffers. And if you got injured yeah. players, that makes it even worse. So, you know, it, it's, it's a trickle it's, down theory. 
Right. It's not just McMahon. I mean, McMahon yeah. is a problem that needs to be addressed, but it's it, simply replacing McMahon with oh, Bobby April because he's a local guy, you know, isn't going to fix the special teams. You have to have your roster and you have to have that, that bottom half of your roster healthy to have been lucky with that. We've, we've been grabbing guys off the street um, grabbing guys that aren't impact players, uh, you know, that that is hurting our special teams. We don't have, a, you know, a Chris Reese uh, who recovered ambush. We don't have, um, I can't think of a linebacker right now, not Michael Marty, because Michael Marty's hurt too. But we don't have uh, not Ramon Humber. Humber. Not Ramon Humber. It was a guy who was a special teams captain. In 2009 and 2010, he got let go. And I can't think of his name right now. It'll come to me. Uh, I can picture him. He's number 54. I can picture him. Um, he's there with his little girl in the Super Bowl with the, with all the stuff coming down, all the confetti coming down. Um, but anyway. I remember. Yeah, you're losing all your special teams star players, the guys who lead the team in tackles and special teams. You lost those kind of guys, the Reggie Robies. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, and we don't have those kind of players. Your team special teams suffer. And that's the issue we have right now on the on the team. Um maybe we should uh maybe we should send an invitation to Pierre Thomas say, hey, all we need you to do is return kicks. Yeah. Hey, you know who <laughs> discovered Pierre Thomas, right? You know who promoted who pushed for him, the Saints assigned him. Greg McMahon. Really? Greg McMahon, Greg McMahon had, uh, was the guy who, who loved Pierre Thomas, but he loved him for special teams. He loved him as a returner. And Sean Payton's like, man, he's got such good hands. We're going to make him a running back. <laughs> and and uh, But that was a Greg McMahon fine. He, uh, he well, really liked – Well, you know, all things considered, uh, the undrafted free agents that have flown through this team in recent years, it, it's it just staggers the mind. Uh, you, you've got the Pierre Thomases, the Kyrie Robinsons, the uh, Traveris mm-hmm. Cadet, Chris, Chris Ivory. Chris Ivory. Uh, yeah, and, and um, you know, it's a, it. Had we retained Lance guys, Moore? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it, here's the thing, too, you got to keep in mind when we talk about undrafted free agents, because a lot of people just kind of say, well, that just means you don't know how to draft or, you know, these guys making a team. Keep in mind, the draft is seven rounds. Uh, yeah. Danny Abramowitz which is 17th round pick back when he had 17 rounds. Um, yeah. Uh, I can't. Jim Wilkes was a 12th round pick. Wow. You know, and that was probably the best nose guard we ever had. Um, yeah. in the three, four defense. Um, you know, yeah. these are guys that probably would have got drafted in the eighth, ninth and 10th rounds way back when but it's, those draft rounds don't exist anymore. So, you know, the Mr. Irrelevant making the team now isn't nearly as impressive as it was. Oh, my son just texted me. It was Troy Evans. Troy Evans was the one that he must've Googled it while, uh, while we were talking, but anyway, um, birthday yeah. boy on the spot. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I trained him well. Um, we're gonna but, have, yeah, we're gonna have to put him on payroll in research and development. I guess. There you go. He'll, he'll love that. I mean, it, 
ideally his job is he wants to be an NFL scout. He would love to be an NFL scout. Just let him look at college footage all day long and just send him out there scouting <laughs> players. That would be his job. Um, well, hey, let's uh, let's talk about the upcoming game because actually it's kind of historical. For some reason, I don't know why, for some reason I thought we were playing in Los Angeles this week. I'm kind of disappointed we're not because – the fact that the Saints, I posted this in uh, in the nine chat. Oh, not supposed to talk about that. Uh, I posted in a, in a Facebook group uh, that shall remain nameless um, about the history of the Los Angeles Rams and the last game the Rams ever played until this year in the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum was against the Saints in 1979. And that was the year that the Rams went to the Super Bowl with a 9-7 record. And, you know, it's interesting that this is the first time we're going to play with or play a Los Angeles Rams team since we've gone to the NFC South. Um, you know, it, 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 we've played the Rams before, the St. Louis Rams. We've always seemed to have trouble with uh, under Sean Payton. Um we didn't have trouble with Jim Hazlitt, which was interesting because Hazlitt always seemed to beat the greatest show on turf. Oh, wow. Uh, but he, yeah, but Sean Payton seems to have trouble with the Rams. So um, this will be an interesting perspective. We're playing this week, Gerard Goff's second start. Um, yeah. Jeff Fisher just tied. Uh, uh, Tom Landry for second most losses in the history of the Let's, NFL. Uh, I'm hoping we can uh, we can get that man a place of his own come this week. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I'm uh, always nervous just, when we play rookie quarterbacks because we somehow managed to turn rookie quarterbacks into the second coming of Joe Montana and Joe Namath and God knows who else. Uh, just so that you know uh, – your son, young Matthew, he uh, uh-huh. he just posted in our uh, our live chat said, "LOL, you thought I googled." Yeah. <laughs> Are you a cheer? Did you did you used to watch Cheers? Do you remember Cheers? The show uh, Cheers. Rarely. Okay. There's a character named Cliff Clavin. You know who Cliff Clavin is, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know that's 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 my son. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now he's gonna Google Cliff Clavin. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, we did. They did. They did. The last uh, time that, on, the last time that we we had a, a Los Angeles Rams week, it involved the Dome Patrol, did it? Didn't it? Uh, no. And, the, and Eric the, Dickerson. Uh, well, no, Eric Dixon was gone by the time. No, he was gone in 19, 1987, 88. I have to go back and look again. Um, I think it was 88 he was traded to the uh, – well, let's see. I'm sure he's going to just beat me to it. <laughs> but, uh, no, the, it, my son did a fantasy – did a um, – Okay, he was trading 87. Okay, he was 87. So the Dome Patrol hadn't formed yet. Uh, no, Eric Dickerson destroyed uh, Bum Phillips' defense in 1983. But anyway. Um, Repeatedly. Uh, yes. Um, 
No, um, Cliff Clavin was on a on a Jeopardy episode where they had like all his ideal categories, like bar trivia, uh, you know, <laughs> famous beers around the world, that kind of stuff. Well, Matthew used to uh, was in a quiz bowl thing, and um, they got his dream board. Name the last five NFL MVPs. Name uh, name the last five NBA MVPs. Name uh, the last five uh, NBA champions. Oh, he was just like rattling these things off. He's about 10, 10 or 12, you know, just boom, boom, boom. And these people are like, you know that? You know that? And he's like, oh, yeah, I know that. So, yeah, if it's <laughs> statistics and details like that, he knows that stuff. But anyway, um, kill this. Okay. Um, but – I lost my train of thought. We were just talking about a second ago. Um, Historical perspective. Historical perspective about the Rams. There we go. Um, The Rams, you know, by all rights, that offense cannot move the ball. Um, The defense will be Greg Williams, so you know you're going to get an all-out blitz on and cover zero, so we have to make them pay. And the good news is playing in the Dome, we should be able to exploit that Rams defense. Uh, it'll well, be interesting to see who comes up. Well, but historically, we, we haven't done well against them. If we go up against that, the Rams defense, we got to make them pay. But uh, if history teaches us anything, a Greg Williams defense is not averse to getting paid. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. That never I happened. Hard on that. that never happened. Um, I know, but uh, it, it was worth a laugh. Okay. Um, anyway, but seriously, um, uh, it, it seems kind. Of, and I made this point in one of our chat rooms earlier today. It's it's so ironic to me that week after week after week that we we're facing basically the same type of narrative. I mean, it was true with the the Seahawks. It was true with the the Broncos. It was true um, with Carolina. We're facing a struggling offense and a really strong defense. Mm -hmm. And that seems to be week in, week out for us. That seems to be the running narrative for this season. Well, if we, if we keep doing what we've been doing, you know, we take away Tom Gurley, we take away the run, make Jerry Goff throw that ball, you know, and then get the pressure on him and force a lot of three and outs, you know, blitz the heck out of him, knock him down, make him look at the rush instead of looking downfield as receivers, we should well. The question will be, yeah. as always, you know, does the offense come out smoking? And if it comes out smoking in the beginning, are we going to hit that second quarter, early third quarter lull where we're not doing very much and then we have to kind of yeah. fight our way back in the fourth quarter? Or do we are we down the whole time and then all of a sudden in the fourth quarter we turn it on? And or yeah. worst case scenario, we're we're getting another block field goal, another block. This time a block punt. God knows what you know. Uh, we, we're fumbling kickoffs, running into each other on special teams. You know, yeah. we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, you know, right well, now. Let me, let me ask you this, Alan. Have you heard anything in regards to an update this week? on uh, the status of Mark Ingram. Is he still in? No, it's, um, 
He is not concussion protocol, they say. Okay. Uh, that I did read. He is not concussion protocol. He, the Saints say he should be available for Sunday. Um, okay. We'll see what happens. Uh, unfortunately, they haven't practiced. Uh, they are treating this like a regular week. So they were. They had. They film on Monday. They were off today. They're going to practice tomorrow and probably practice Thanksgiving afternoon yeah. or maybe Thanksgiving early morning. Um, you know, it's just a regular work week for them. Yeah. Um, now the good news is, you know, because you played on a Thursday night, you essentially got a, a mini buy. So we yeah. may see Armstead. Yeah. Um, I hope we'll see Armstead. I hope that you know he can play on his knee. Because with Armstead and Pete on that left side, that really strengthens the Saints, both pass protection and in run in the running game. I mean, Pete sure. really has come along as a guard. Um, he absolutely has. Bobby Abair kind of compared him to uh, Jim Dombrowski, who was drafted as a tackle out of Virginia and really turned out to be a great guard. Um, yeah, and if that's the case. Um, you know, we really have a, a good upside. Um, last thing, and then we're going to have to wrap it up, even though we started late. Um, I don't know if you yeah. saw this or not. Uh, Avery Young, the, uh, the tackle out of Auburn, is now off the NFL or the, the non-football injury list. That's what it is, non-football yeah, injury. I saw that. That's interesting because – the Saints must really, really like him because guys like that don't hang around. I mean, he's been on that list since before training camp. And the Saints don't yeah. usually be on that list that long, especially undrafted rookies. They usually get rid of this. They must really see something special in him. And I told you all, if you go back and look at the early episodes of this podcast, that I really liked Tim and Landon Turner as possible replacement guards, you know, for the future. Because well, on, on draft day, I, I picked uh, Avery Young, Landon Turner, uh, Devontae Harris. I, I picked mm-hmm. like my five guys to uh, undraft free agents to, and he was on there. Yeah, yeah. So it, I'm, I'm curious to see. I don't think he'll season, but I'm curious to see what what they do with him. What are they? What are their plans? Um, yeah, you know, it, it, again, here we go back to special teams and the problem with special teams. Uh, if Turner and Harris can, uh, Harris, I'm sorry, Turner and um, and Young, Young can, can turn out to be good backup swing guys that you know, on special teams now, you're going to see better protection because you'll have better linemen in there. Uh, helping out, um, not just not just sticking your starters out there and, and having to play special teams. So we'll see yeah. how that goes. Um, I think we're going to win this weekend. I, I think we'll, we'll get to five and six. Um, in fact, I think we have a good shot at winning most left. Um, the only games I'm nervous about, I guess, are – you know, the second Atlanta game in the season um, and the uh, Detroit, uh, you know, Detroit, Detroit's a, a perfect storm for us. Unfortunately, yeah. Detroit is the team that comes back in the fourth quarter 
And we're a team that right now we play our best at the fourth quarter for whatever reason. Um, but yeah. I, unfortunately, if we don't get the special team stuff straightened out, that'll be another game where I can see us winning a field goal or an extra point return that for a touchdown and beat us, you know. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, see, even your child thinks the same thing. That's, you know, going to be that kind of game. So, but he, he, if we he can, if we can run you. the game. He must have heard you on speaker. That's right. If we can run the table, I, even if we don't make the playoffs, um, just to get to nine and seven, ten and six, that'd be a huge step for this program going forward. And that's how you have to kind of look at this right now. Let's just get sure. a winning season and play the well, string I, out from there. I've I've said it repeatedly, and I uh, I reinforce it now i'm not concerned about the playoffs for this team because i've always been one of those people that if you're going to go to the playoffs just to lose after a round why bother um if you're not that's jim more years if you're not going to the playoffs to win the whole thing stay home uh and by that thinking i i'm not concerned right now with this team making the playoffs i if we do, we do. Um, if we don't, let's get ready for what's next. And well, I don't. And and it ties in with this. You know, people like to throw out the whole stat of, well, three of the last four years you've had losing seasons, and this was like another one. Well, but they're not the same team. Okay, twenty twelve Bounty Gate. We're going to discount that one because of all the drama involved. And you don't have a head coach. I don't care what team you are. How many games do you think the Patriots are going to win if Bill Belichick is suspended for the year? You know, not many. I don't think they're going to. I don't think they will win as many games. Okay, they're not going to. You just can't. There's a reason why you have a head coach. Um, so you discount 2012. Okay, so we're looking at 2014, 2015, and I just look at those two teams. And the 2016 team is not the same team. It's not the same players. No. It's not the same kind of games. We're not getting that same kind of effort that we saw in those, a lack of effort that we saw in 2014 yeah. and 2015. There's no Brandon Browner. We're not leading the league in penalties anymore. You know, there's no fights in the locker room. The team is not tearing itself apart with egos and people saying things off, you know, to the media about how they're better than the guys that were on the 2019. You see a team that is coming together, but it's still missing pieces. That's why it's not winning. And it's a young team. Look at Von Bell. Look at, um, you know, even Lutz, a young guy. Look at Michael Thomas. Look at Brandon. Brandon Cooks is the old man in the room as a receiver, and he's a 2014 guy, you know. Um, it's it, it, There's a lot going on that's positive, but people look at the record, and of course, the way we're losing, where it's a handful of plays, and they automatically go, Oh, Deshaun Payton's at the end of his time. Fans are getting tired of his act. People are getting tired of, you know, he's done. He's stale, you know, and I don't see that. I, I saw that in 2014. I don't see that with this team. Okay. I see a team that's making, that's feeding itself. 
right now. And it's beating itself because they have too many guys that lack the experience and they have too many guys that are making, I don't know how to explain it other than making mistakes that are costing the team right now that they won't make in the future. And I, I just maybe it's the eternal optimism in me. I don't know, but that's how I see it. Well, you know, at the end of the day, if you're not going forward, you're going backwards. And the past two years, I can see so many steps backwards, whether that be from players or games or results of games or whatever you want to, however you want to look at it. But this year, I can see steps forward. I mean, you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda, but at the same time, uh, this team is, what, 15 points from being a one-loss team? Sitting right there yeah. with the Dallas Cowboys uh, and New mm-hmm. England Patriots. And obviously, we didn't do the things necessary to get those wins. And because of that, we're still sitting here two, di- two games under 500. And we're just going to have to be- get better. That's all there is to it. Well, you know, you are what your record says you are. But, you know, that stat we read earlier about the defense, the stats about the offense. I mean, that's... You know, that's Cody, what makes I, that. I think I think it bears mentioning, though. You you stop and you think you go back 10, 11 weeks ago. And what was the prevailing mindset when it came to this offense coming out of preseason? What was the prevailing mindset coming out of week one, week two of this defense? Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. I mean, there's there's highs and lows. There's ebbs and flows. But overall, is this team a better team than what we thought it would be? And I think the answer to that is absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the frustration is really because there's a handful of plays, it's the difference between us being E or whatever number you want to pull out versus four and six. And that's why people are angry because they think another coach somehow – can coax out those those wins. Yeah. But it's not coaching that's losing the games. It's mistakes that they're making on the field. Um, yeah. These guys are in positions to make the plays, and they're not making them. Third and ten, we're in a position to stop that. You know, earlier in the game, Crawley comes out and punches the ball out on a third down play, and the receiver drops it. He doesn't get to do that on – the third and 10 play to Calvin Benjamin because he went up so high to go get it. Okay. Um, you know, drop, drop passes, uh, you know, m- being in a bad position on a two point conversion, uh, a bad call, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, that's the, that's really what's going on. It's not just coaching. It, it, it's mistakes they're making on the field. And that's how I see it. That's why I think this team is close to the 2008 they just need to learn how to finish. And when this gets going, then we'll see that running machine that we saw in 2009 and 2011. Oh, I think we're getting to where we, we're, we're trying to go. Right. Uh, it's, it, it's a process. It, it doesn't happen overnight. And mm-hmm. uh, in, in the big picture, I think that this team is – more than less, a lot closer to where we wanted to be 
than what we thought it would be. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly, exactly. So, okay, um, let's uh, let's see how we do oh, this one, again. One, mm, oh. one, one, one last that? thing. Uh, I didn't get this mm -hmm. in the opening, but uh, there's a guy that I want to thank for their uh, their continued support and helping us to get our our show out there. Uh, let me uh, <laughs> let me make sure that I get this right here. Uh, Joel Smith, he who uh, does a ton of stuff to help us out and to get our stuff out there uh, on all the Facebook groups and what have you. Thank you so much for your continued support. Uh, you don't know how much your help is appreciated. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. John Pinto, our uh, personal PR director here. That's he right. All his help, all his, uh, you, all his hard work. Pinto. Yes. You, and um, we went way over time because of technical problems and stuff like that. But join us next week as we dissect the uh, Los Angeles Rams. And we hope to have – we don't get Mike Dutillier for next week. We will have him. I'd like to get him to, at the end of the season for sure and get his thoughts on the roster and upcoming draft picks. Mike Dutillier has a uh, MED draft guide. We will talk about that some more. Um, also – For about 30 years. And it's it's – there is not a player that will get drafted that Mike hasn't done a write-up on. That is an amazing statistic. That right. is. Uh, also, next week's program, we have some guests coming on from Big Easy Believer, Barry Herstius and Bob Rose. Uh, they're going to be joining us next week on the show. Absolutely. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. Barry and I will try not to talk the whole time about the old Saints, but I have plenty of stories. I know he does, too. Um, so that will be fun. That will be fun. We will talk about uh, his his take on on the Saints, and of course his take on the game against the Rams and the rest of the season. So, um, but uh, in the meantime, you guys enjoy your Thanksgiving. Have a very happy Thanksgiving. Don't eat too much turkey. If you do, you just sleep it off. <laughs> and thank uh, we'll you guys so much for your support and from the the staff and cast and crew of the under the dome podcast we thank you so much for your support and we wish you all a very very th happy thanksgiving absolutely good night everybody good night